You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. The endless parade of time. Who can say what fruits the future will see ripen? We can only keep looking towards... Tomorrow's World with Isla Christensen and Stella Huggins on 95BFM. This week's episode, Will Machines Rule the World? Isla and Stella weren't sure. So this week they had their very first international interview with Krithik Ramesh, an incredibly accomplished machine learning and AI enthusiast. He won the Intel International Science and Engineering Fair for Biomedical Engineering when he was just 16 years old. With his development of a lifetime navigation system for spinal reconstruction surgery that can predict spine biomechanics based off of preoperative radiology reports. Stella and Isla chat with him about the limitations and potential of machine learning and AI. Hello Earthlings. Welcome back to the segment where we talk science and society. This is Tomorrow's World. I'm Stella. And I'm Isla. And today we ask a question that if it wasn't already on your mind, it may be just for the rest of the day. Will the machines run the world? I mean, Beyonce always said it was girls who did, but like, who knows? And the truth is, we actually probably have a lot more exposure to machines and AI than perhaps initially thought. We've got navigational apps, voice assistant tools, facial recognition, social media filters, and that's just to name a few. So for this week's episode, we are joined by our first international guest and someone who knows a lot more about machine learning than us, Krithik Ramesh who is joining us over Zoom from Denver, Colorado. Krithik not only won the Intel International Science and Engineering Fair for Biomedical Engineering when he was just 16, but he has a plethora of knowledge in the space of machine learning. I mean, I may be struggling with the programming language R at 21, but I wouldn't say I know nothing. And just in case you aren't as up to speed in machine learning as Stella, and her level one coding, we asked Krithik to explain what AI actually is. The, the most complicated computer in the world is our brains. Like we've, we've sort of been, been around long enough to know that like human brains are, are very sophisticated and that we've like learned to do a lot of complicated tasks. And machine learning attempts to take like the literal, like the, the neuronal cell and then replicate it as a machine learning or like as a computational aspect. So what we've been able to achieve with this is that we take these very, very complicated pieces of data. So things that are so high dimensional that we can't visualize them meaningfully and try to find trends in them. So whether that's very basic tasks, like classifying between cats and dogs or or whatever the case may be, or like summarizing text based off of like large volumes of data. Machine learning as a concept is essentially attempting to use computers to find patterns in non-trivial data. We then asked about how AI is used in everyday settings, like Google Recapture AI. You know, that I am not a bot picture test you have to do when you make new accounts online. Well, Krithik gave us an insight as to how AI is already enhancing the world that we live in. So I guess like a good place to start is probably like talking about the limitations, because you'll see a lot of stuff in the news that's like AI is going to solve like all sorts of like really, really complicated problems. And to some extent we have. Primarily, we've defined it as a computational representation of our brains. But humans aren't perfect. 
So we've created this like foundationally computational thing on an imperfect system, which is fine, but understanding those limitations is important. So AI right now, what we've been able to do is take very discrete, rigorously defined tasks. So what that means is the parameters are super well-defined. Okay, we want to classify between malignant and benign breast cancer tissues. We can do exactly that given that specific amounts of data and a specific model that can do it. But if you ask that same model to look at a brain tumor and tell me, is this a glioblastoma or Parkinson's disease? It wouldn't be able to do that appreciably. That's sort of like the biggest limitation is that like we have a very specific classification called artificial narrow intelligence, which is all of machine learning right now, and then artificial general intelligence. So that's what people think of like when they think of like Terminator or like HAL 9000 or any of the other things, right? So right now where machine learning currently stands is that we're able to take very specific domains and answer them very well. But anything that requires higher level, like human-like thinking, if you will, we haven't quite achieved that. Is that something that you think could happen in the future or what is needed to get to that next step? So is there a potential that this could happen if the limitation is simply that we need to set bigger parameters? Mm, that, that's, a, that's a good question, right? So um, Google is trying to like work on this problem right now. And essentially the way that a lot of machine learning and the stuff that I work on now is not looking at the downstream applications of like classification or like tumor segmentation, self-driving cars, but looking at it from a neuroscience perspective and understand our consciousness as individuals. So how do our, our brains process memories? How do we learn about specific things? What kind of process involved? With, like if you ask a child and you point to a dog and then you point to a cat, they immediately, they have a very strong sense of understanding. But if you show them a different kind of breed of cat and dog, they're still able to understand it. Machines aren't able to do this. So where is that gap? And the answer is we kind of don't really know, but we are attempting to bridge that gap by looking at it from a, like a neuropsychology perspective. Google's new model called Pathways attempts to essentially replicate like the neuronal pathways in our brains. Like when we learn a task, we create specific connections between different parts of our brains. They're trying to replicate this process by creating a very open-ended model that's able to learn multiple tasks, but those tasks have specific pathways that aren't from the like rigorously predefined model. It is humans who are constructing these parameters who are fundamentally coding and creating this. This inherently means that there is some sort of bias and inherently means that there are some sort of limitations. Could you discuss that a bit further? Uh, you bring up a very, very important part. And it's like a, a big problem in machine learning that we're attempting to solve right now. So um, these large sophisticated models that like companies like OpenAI, like Elon's OpenAI or Google or Facebook develop are created on something called unsupervised learning and large volumes of data. Because the think of it as like the larger the model, the more data that needs to appreciably learn information. So what ends up happening is that OpenAI's like GPT-3, which is like a text processing model, is trained on 40% of the internet, but it's unsupervised. Because 40% of the internet is like unbelievable amounts of data. <laughs> and, and a human can't appreciably go over all of that, like curate it. So what they found is that it makes implicit biases that are biased. So it'll, it'll like make correlations between like women and certain professions or um, like certain religions and their overall associations with like different kinds of acts of terrorism. And it's a problem. So how do we effectively target this and understand is like quite literally a billion dollar question. So the, the current methodology that we have is trying to set rigorous guidelines as to what these models should be learning from. So one of the things that like Google's actually like running an ad campaign right now. So for people with darker skin colors, their cameras don't work as well because the, the ingenuity of pixels like Google Pixel and all of their phones is that they're machine learning based. So a lot of computational photography. 
but their data set is trained on like predominantly lighter skinned individuals. So like the computational adjustments that it makes for people with darker skinned doesn't necessarily work for us. So a lot of people like will look at a photo, like for me, I'm, I'm Indian, so I have darker, I'm darker skinned. So like, I'll look at a photo and I'm like, that doesn't quite look like me. Like it looks good, it's sharp, but like there are certain things about lighting and like smoothing of my facial features that don't quite look the same. And now they're working on specifically like addressing these problems. So aligning the interests of humans with AI. With the usability of machine learning increasing in a medical field, we asked if we should be expecting surgeons to lose their jobs anytime soon. People think that AI is going to replace their jobs. It's not. It's supposed to be like an error prevention system. So it'll catch mistakes that you make and vice versa. It's just a, like a second level of accountability. So the, the research that I did was like, currently the method that we use for spinal reconstructive surgery is that we take a preoperative MRI and then we use something called fluoroscopy during surgery. And it's essentially, to think about it, it's like an x-ray movie. But the thing is, x-rays don't provide that much visual information compared to like an MRI scan, right? Like it doesn't show you like nerve endings or like muscular tissue, whatever the case may be. These neurosurgeons are placing screws inside people's spines. They're not actually looking at the patient. They're looking at a two-dimensional x-ray and then doing it at that point in time. But there's a disconnect between the information being provided to them and what they're looking at. So I wanted to solve this problem. There's a severe complicated issue with attempting to understand how these vertebrae will move based off of when you're putting the screws in. I try to explain it as like, if you try to poke a hole inside jello, you don't quite know the way that it's going to deform. So the, what's essentially happening is that the vertebrae are stuck between pieces of jello, like the, the, the actual disc themselves. So they, they move around a little bit. But it's very integral that you're able to find an ability to stabilize them. So with machine learning, we're able to take this very complicated process and then make predictions because it's able to look at the data and trends and then understand that behavior. The best way that I try to extend to people is it's sort of like Iron Man's helmet. So it produces like this three-dimensional hologram of the actual screw trajectories and then how they'll dynamically change. So surgeons can look at the patient and also get all the visual information that they would need to successfully perform that surgery. Wowee folks, that certainly was a step up from Wally, but Krithik sure knows what he's talking about. I really like the message that the smartest computer of all is our very own brains. As technologies continue to be invented and explored, we can sleep rest assured that there is rigorous trials and testing going on. And so we shouldn't be worried about a total society takeover? I mean, we never got a definitive answer, but I'm sure if Surrey mistakes add soup to my cart for cool Auntie Catherine, we have a while to go. Thanks again for joining us as we talk science and society. Stay curious and hide all cookies. Looks like everything's gonna be all right. Tomorrow's World with Isla Christensen and Stella Huggins on 95BFM. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.